What does God want from me? Those are the words that, as I prayed through the readings, just kept kind of ringing in my head. They're the, they're the, the question that the Israelites are asking in the first reading. St. Paul is telling us what God wants from us for as far as living the Christian discipleship. And then Jesus himself tells us, as the Jews come to him and say, what, what does God want from us? He says it very distinctly. He says, believe in the one whom God has sent. That's the work of God. That's what you're called to. In the simplest form, faith. That's all he wants is faith. He wants you to rely on him, to trust him in the big things, in the little things, in all things. And the opposite of faith is fear or a lack of trust. They're trying to control your situation, which is what's going on in the first reading. So to give you just a brief little recap of the history of Israel. Remember, this is the people, they have just been dramatically, right, released from slavery in Egypt. They've been rescued. They were there for 430-some years. They didn't hear about the rescue of the people of Israel from Egypt. They didn't hear about the mighty signs that God worked against Pharaoh. They lived it. They saw it. They walked, you guys, through the Red Sea, split in two. This is not some myth as people try to dismiss it as. This was real as mass is real for us today. They experienced it. And we catch up with them today in the desert. And what are they doing? They're complaining. <laughs> they're, they, they're saying, why, I want to go back to being a slave. Moses, why did you bring it out? Why did you bring us out here? I want to go back. Think about how good we had it in Egypt. Listen to what they're saying. Listen to how good we had it as slaves. Why do they want to be slaves? Because it's easier. It's hard to live free. You have to work at it or you will become a slave. Which is what's happening right now in our country. They begin to wonder, does God actually have a plan? Does he really know what he's doing? Why did he dramatically rescue us to bring us out here and leave us? Where is he? Sound familiar? It should because it's all of us. People have a conversion, they experience God's love, or just be living the Christian life, and then God pulls away a little bit to build some faith in the person's life, and what do they do? They complain. Where's God? I never experienced Him. I never feel His presence. He's left me in this desert to die. How many times have you wondered, does God really know what He's doing? Especially in the day and age that we live in. Yet God says through Moses to his people, do you really think that I did all I did for you in Egypt and now I have no plan? That I'm just out of ideas? I think the reason that we get frustrated, you guys, is because we make this world our home. And it's not our home. It's our way home. 
But it's not our home. This is not the promised land. This is the desert. Like the Israelites, we have left Egypt, right? We're all baptized. We're free people. But we're not home. We're in this transition period. And the desert is very difficult. And it's dangerous. And it's tedious. I went to Egypt. I went to the Sinai Peninsula. It is a barren wasteland. But when I went there, I mean, when we flew into Egypt, we're flying into Cairo, you can see the delta of the Nile, and you see the desert, and you're like, man, the desert's awesome. I've never been to the desert. Within like two days, I was like, the desert is the worst place on the planet. I never, ever, ever want to, I, I know, how do people live here? The desert is terrible. The Sinai Peninsula is even worse where they wandered for 40 years. And one of the things that I noticed when I was there, you've heard of a mirage, right? It's how the the temperature fluctuations, there's two different air pockets, and they create this image that you can see water. And we saw it while we were out there. It really looks like there's water in the distance. And I thought, what an amazing analogy for the world that we live in. It, it sells us like, hey, look, there's water over there. Go get it. And we all <laughs> take off running. And we get there and we're like, there's no water. I'm not satisfied. Oh, but there's water over here. Okay. And they go running after it. I'm still not satisfied. The desert is not our home. And it will never quench our thirst. But to remind the Israelites that there is something to sustain them. God gives them bread along the way. And God gave them the manna. Do you know what manna means? It's a Hebrew word. Do you know what it means? Does anybody know what manna means? Huh? What is it? They give you the translation, right? The word manna is, what is it? Because they don't know. They've never seen it before, right? And then eventually Moses says, well, this is the bread from heaven that is given to us in our journey to sustain us. Now, there are three things I want you to notice about this weird, strange bread. First, the bread is only given for the journey. Once the journey is over, when they hit the promised land, It ceases. It's gone. Second, they were only given enough bread for each day. God says to them, go out and get enough of this bread just for today. God wants us to be a place where we just have enough. Because it keeps us dependent upon him. When you have too much, you guys, you don't need him. That's why America is abandoning God. We have too much. When I was in Africa, I saw faith like I've never seen faith before. And I remember looking at this guy and he was praying. And I've never seen somebody pray like this in my life. Tears coming down his eyes. And I said to him, I'm like, like, buddy, I've never seen somebody pray like you. What are you praying for? And he said, rain. Rain. I'm praying for rain. And I'm like, well, yeah, well, we pray for rain too. 
to get to water our crops. He said, you don't understand, Father. If it doesn't rain, my family will die. That puts a new scope on prayer. When you have to be that dependent upon God, that builds faith. And that's why he doesn't, in the Our Father, doesn't say give us this day our decade bread, our yearly bread, our millennial bread. It says give us this day our daily bread. Because that's how faith is built. And third, the manna was not given to the people just as food. It wasn't a sense to be adored or worshipped. It was a reminder of the presence of God in their midst. They were not alone on the journey. On their way to the promised land, I don't know if you know this, but they carried, as they wandered around the Sinai Peninsula, this tent. It was called the Tent of Meeting or the Tabernacle. Do you know what was inside the Tent of Meeting that the Israelites carried? Huh? Yeah, okay. Well, that was inside something. That was inside the Ark of the Covenant. So the Ark of the Covenant is in there. There were certain things in the Ark of the Covenant. First were the Ten Commandments. What else? Huh? The Staff of Aaron. Yeah, we already said that. Right, the manna, the bread from heaven. Why these three things? Because the Ten Commandments, God's law, the way they should live, the staff of Aaron, God's power over Egypt. Remember, they used the staff for all types of stuff. And finally, the manna, God's presence in their midst. You guys, does any of this sound familiar? Tabernacle, bread, I mean, law. It's all here. Bread is on our altar. And it's given to us for the journey. If we could just get our heads around what's happening in Mass, we would never miss. But I think most people look at it and they say, What is it? What is that? It looks like bread, it tastes like bread, and you're telling me it's God? And we grumble. We complain. We're like the Israelites in the Old Testament when they said we're sick of this wretched bread. The gift that God had given them to sustain them, they said, is wretched food. The ingratitude of God's people is what is killing the church. We don't understand what we have before us. If we did, we would be in tears every time we received it. So what are we to do with all this? Number one, I'm preaching to the crowd here because you're all here. Go to Mass. Go to Mass. We go to Mass not to give God something. Not like I'm showing up to give Him my worship. We go to Mass to get something. The pre-COVID masses, the post-COVID masses, definitely people are not here that should be here. And I'm sick of people telling me they're watching it on TV. You can't get the Eucharist on TV. You can only get it here. And I feel like if you don't get him, you become weak. 
Because you're not sustained with the bread from heaven. And if you're not sustained, you will die in the desert of this world. It's too strong. Someone once said to not receive the Lord in the Eucharist is something like dying of thirst next to a river. Why does God command us to go to Mass every week? And He does command us. It is in order to give us strength. To give us faith and courage that we're not alone in the midst of this twisted world. Life here is a journey, a pilgrimage, much like the Israelites in the desert. Egypt behind them, promised land in front of them, life in the desert before them. And the bread sustains us. The journey is difficult, tedious, but we know that that's what life is. It's often not exciting or entertaining. We try to distract ourselves. We try to look to the mirages. Anything to escape for just a bit. Instead of really entering into life and letting the Eucharist sustain us. The Eucharist is given to us as a source of unimaginable strength. Especially in times when we find ourselves in situations that are beyond us. Which is most of life. This is why God gave the Jews the manna. And it's why he gave us the Eucharist. As a reminder that he cares. And he's with us. And he will provide just enough for the next step. So by the time we get to the promised land. We will rely on him for everything. We will look to him for everything, which is what we call heaven. Heaven is where God is all in all. And so as we approach today to this Holy of Holies, may we beg for just an understanding, a glimpse of the power that is truly before us.